You are listening to Be the Love, transcending through the shadows into a higher state of consciousness. We are souls on the journey, opening up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. I am Stacy Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez, and we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. Hop on board the Ascension Bus. This is Jules DeVito from Highly Sensitive Humans. This is Katie Jo Holton. We are Michael and Jamie Thornhill at Casa Galactica. This is Tara Jolly. I'm Anna Anderson, and you are listening to Be The Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be the Love, Transcending Through the Shadows. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez. And we are your co-hosts and souls on the journey. And thank you so much for tuning in this week with us. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would absolutely be so grateful for a five-star written review on iTunes because reviews really help our show become more visible and spread the word to others. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a moment to get centered with us. I'd like to invite you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy, breathing out anything you are ready to release in this moment. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself and breathing out that light and love and sending it to all of humanity, remembering that you always have your breath to come back to. Today, we welcome back Mia Tarduno. Mia is a women's mentor, yoga instructor, and women's gathering facilitator. Movement, creation, and gatherings have always been a part of Mia's life. As she became older, Mia realized that many women were experiencing discontent and disease that came from the times when they felt alone, disconnected, and like they just don't quite belong. And when she found out how to work with our bodies instead of against them, everything in her views of health, relationships, work, and passions changed. Mia then created Move, Create, Radiate to highlight the healing power of getting back to our natural cycles through yoga, breathwork, art, and gatherings. She's found that by unearthing the taboo conversations, we can start to ward away shame, guilt, and loneliness to create more connected communities. And for those of you who may not have heard Mia's first episode, you can find that at episode 17, where we talked about the moon and cyclical living. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Mia. Yeah, it's wonderful to be back with you. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this topic today of the winter solstice. And so first, just to get us started, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to since the last time we talked. Yeah, so I've had some really big changes and shifts for the better recently. Um, I've been continuing to work with women one-on-one and in small groups and have also had a chance to bring back some of my offerings and trainings in person, which has felt really wonderful. Um, And the biggest thing is I recently opened a yoga studio um, actually on the summer solstice, so in June. So we've been open now for coming on six months um, up here in Frisco, Colorado. So I've just been able to bring some of those trainings and gatherings back in person in a studio setting. Oh, that's really beautiful. It sounds like just a heartfelt, heart-centered place to to be and to be able to bring your passions into that community setting is really, I'm sure, powerful for, for you and the people that you're gathering. So that's wonderful. I'd love to talk today about the winter solstice. 
and how we can really celebrate this time, um, you know, what the spiritual significance of it and how we can tap into the deeper meaning to honor the cycle of this time. And so I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about first the history of winter solstice and where this came from and how far back has this been a practice? Yeah, absolutely. So as far as I know, um, in research that I've recently done, this dates back all the way to the Neolithic period. Um, so about 10,200 BC. And it was found in monuments dating back to the Stone Age, where the monuments would actually capture the sun of the winter solstice exactly at the angle that it was at that day. Um, so it's made to believe that it was celebrated all the way back into the Neolithic era. Um, and there are a lot of different cultures around the world that have different practices around the winter solstice time. One of them that you may have heard of is kind of in some like holiday carols where we call something the Yule or the Yule log. So the Yule is another word for the time of the winter solstice. But the Yule log um, was back from Norsemen of Scandinavia, and they would bring a large, large log into the home and light one end of it. And they were to feast for all of the days that it took to burn that log out. So it sometimes took about 12 days. So now they say that Yule, in terms of a holiday, lasts from about the winter solstice day to possibly about 12 days later. So it's all of that time span as well. So in some cultures, it's more of the exact moment and day of exactly when we get to that point of the longest um, night of the year. And then for others, it's also that just darker period and it can last a week or more. Oh, it's really, really interesting, you know, how far back it really goes and how far we've really connected with the, the cycles of the, the living in, but like how we've lost touch over that, you know, throughout the years. What is your opinion or what are your thoughts around that? Like, how have we really lost touch with tapping into this sacred time? Yeah, I think mainly because a lot of these earth holidays are really based around the sun and moon. So when societies really lived under those, it was almost impossible to ignore. So there are also a lot of fables and tales and stories of people who would really huddle together during the winter solstice and just pray because it would seem like the sun was leaving. And so before we knew what was actually happening with the tilt of the earth and that it would come around again, it was this time every year where they started to really become a little bit nervous and a time of the year that took a lot of trust. Whereas today we're so used to turning on our lights every morning and we don't really have to worry as much about how much sun or how much moonlight we receive during a day in order to allow our societies to continue on. We're really based more in electricity and heat and things like that that keep us running at a really regulated way. So we can lose touch really easily, even though we may realize when we're driving home from work or when we get up in the morning that it may be a little bit darker or a little bit lighter. Since we're not as based on that in our everyday lives, I think it is really easy for us to lose touch if we're not paying attention to the world around us. Yeah, I imagine. I mean, that's just the disconnection that we all have to nature. You know, I think there's a big nature deficit, especially living in like urban or communities that are far from nature or yeah, you, we stay indoors all day just feeling ungrounded, you know, and so that can really create us to, yeah, lose that disconnection, especially, you know, with the technologies that we have and sitting in front of a computer screen, you know, and if we're not really in tune with our bodies and, and our needs, you know, for nature can really be really harmful for our bodies. Yeah, just as you're saying, it's, I think really, it's really easy to forget how much we actually need nature. Whereas in societies that lived amongst it, it was a no brainer that every single day you needed something from nature in order to survive. And we still do. We're just a couple steps derived from it. 
And I think it's really easy for us to not see all of those connections just a couple steps back that we still really need nature and nature needs us Mm -hmm. and we are all a part of it. And that's a really important thing. But like you're saying, when we're just one or two steps removed from it, it's really easy to forget that that's such a big part of our lives every day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that we, we truly need it for our well-being, our physical health, our mental health, our emotional well-being. And when we can tap into that, it's really powerful. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the spiritual significance of the winter solstice. Yeah. So part of that comes from way back in cultures that were really praying for the sun to come back. So it actually started with being a time a little bit more based around kind of nervousness and fear. And then society's figuring out ways to shift that. So allowing that to be a time of just deep kind of interconnection, turning inwards and really trusting that the sun was going to come back. So how we can kind of translate that into our society today is just really feeding that hope and trust that our visions for the future will come into fruition. Because during this darker time, it can be a little hard to see how that might happen in the future. And so it's really a period of trust and of waiting and sitting in that realm of darkness and rest and silence and dreaming and just allowing ourselves to be there because we can't have this huge expanse of light unless we've gone into the dark. So it's allowing ourselves to be there for a period of time so that we can really honor the light when it comes back. I, I really like that, you know, what you you said about that trust, trusting ourselves and trusting the cycle of nature and being able to trust ourselves to go into the darkness and trusting that this time will also ebb and flow because I think a lot of people feel um, at least the messages I've heard is that you know there feels like it's going to last forever or you know they're not going to be able to get through it Um, yeah it's gonna those emotions the darkness is going to last forever and so I'm wondering Why do we spend so much time suppressing and hiding our darkness? I think a lot of that has to do with going back to the trust and that when we work in darkness and silence, it's not as tangible. And a lot of us, especially in Western culture, are in societies that really honor productivity and really bringing things out into the world, producing things one after the other after the other. And we talked a lot about this in our last episode as well. So I think that part of that is that it's just really hard to see sometimes what's actually happening beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. So for those of us who are used to doing a lot of deep inner work, understand what that feels like to be doing a lot of work, but on the outside to a friend or family member, it may not look like much. And then to also see that different reaction when we're working in things that we're actually producing, whether we're bringing in projects or money or family or something that feels a lot more tangible, then we can also see the reactions in the people around us that say, oh, wow, you've produced this or created this or brought this in. When that can really be happening when we're doing that work in the darkness as well, but it's a lot more internal and it may look like nothing on the outside. And right now we don't live in a culture that honors that. And we actually live in a culture that can view that as laziness. If it's looking like we're not actually doing a whole lot, not honoring rest and not honoring dreaming. So I think that's a big reason that a lot of us don't spend time there or don't want to spend time there because it's not honored by the people around us. And it's really hard to find that within ourselves to know that that's really a value when the people mirroring us close in our lives, it's really hard for them to see that work or they may never see it, or they may see it 10 years down the line and not know that that was really building below the surface this whole time. And I think one of those best examples is in nature, especially during this time of the year in the Northern hemisphere, especially for those who live in cold places where there's snow. 
And there's all of this work still happening under the earth. All of nature is, is still holding on to its energy and it's just turning inwards. And we see that and we see the effects of that once the snow melts and there's more water and then there's heat and there's sun and the plants can grow back. But we fail to sometimes remember that we are the same way. I think, yeah, I mean, nature can really give us a lot of clues. And when we recognize that, you know, we're just a reflection of nature, it can help us to recognize that, you know, there, there's no separation from that. The, the darkness of winter is a reflection of the darkness that is to be acknowledged within ourselves. And because we've been so disconnected from nature, and yeah, I agree with the cultures we're taught to suppress emotion to, you know, we need to be busy. We need to do, there's a lot of energy around doing. And, and so when we go inward and get quiet in winter, I think sometimes it can also be seen as seasonal affective disorder. Um, and I'm not saying that's not a real thing or anything like that, but I think it can be looked at as, oh, well, now I'm quiet or I have to be in, go inside. I'm feeling a little bit less energetic. And so what are some ways that we can use this time to go within, um, honor our shadow and really do some of that deeper healing? Yeah, you're absolutely right that a lot of us have a hard time not doing a lot during this time. Um, so I love that question because um, I know for people like myself, even, and um, a lot of the people in my communities who still feel that pressure to feel productive, even if it's an inner pressure, it can really help to have some things like practices or rituals that still make you feel like you can do something without it having to feel necessarily productive to an outer source. And it can actually be doing some more inner work. Um, so some of those that I like to put on my list during that time are spending some time in nature, because like we talked about, that's where a lot of lessons can come from. And it can really help us ward away some of that shame when we see, oh, all of the trees are doing this. All of the plants are doing this. The animals are doing this. So why not me? And so that can help to normalize a bit when we surround ourselves with nature and notice what's actually happening there. And it can actually help us feel a little bit more in alignment instead of out of alignment. Another great thing that some people like to do during this time is decorating their homes. So one of the traditions that goes way back is decorating trees or things around the home with stars or candles or things representing light to again represent that trust that we honor the light and that it will come back. Mm. Um, also just spending a lot of time by candlelight can also help us to tune down our nervous system a little bit as well. And just to settle some of our surroundings to live by candles, knowing that that can kind of help us tune into the season a little bit more than just turning on all of the lights in our home and pretending like it's middle of the summer. Mm. Yeah. So those are some ideas that I have. And I have another ritual I'd love to share with you now or later. So you can let me know when would be the best time for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe at the end would be a good time um, yeah. to leave our listeners with that. That would be beautiful. Thank you for sharing some of those practices. I think too, for maybe some people who are moving away from even the Christmas traditions or, yeah. you know, these are some really great tools because recognizing that some of these symbols, you know, like the tree and, and lights, you know, those came from different traditions rather than, you know, just the Christmas. And so, um, so I think it's nice to have some alternatives that, you know, when people want to celebrate coming into the more cyclical and the winter solstice celebrations. And so what does it really mean to celebrate the light? What does that look like? 
So I think a little bit of that depends on where you are in your season of life and what that means to you. So some of us are at seasons where we need to spend a little bit more time with the darkness or we're ready to spend a little bit more time there. Some of us are in seasons where we're just really not able to spend some energy and time in the dark places. So we have to hold on to the light. The way that I like to remind people to think of the light and dark, especially when we're talking about some earth holidays, are thinking of the moon as holding the feminine energy and remembering that every single one of us has feminine and masculine energy within us. And so moon holding this feminine energy and sun holding masculine energy. So the sun is our directive force allows us to bring things out into the world. It's very focused and pointed and can be a really, really great energy. If you're trying to bring something out into the world, if you're trying to get something done, if you have a goal, especially like a single pointed goal, I'm working with some energy of the sun. So it can be a really great time to just notice if you're needing more of that in your life or not. Since the winter solstice is so full of feminine energy, when that masculine energy of the sun starts to come back, how are we honoring it? And can we make sure that we're offering that back in a way that feels balanced into our lives? Because we all need masculine energy. We all want to help out our families and direct our energy to certain projects and people. And it can be a really great thing. So just noticing when we're bringing that back in and how much. And I think everybody's honor of that can look a little bit different. But I invite people, especially during this time, to notice if they're missing that and where they're missing it. Because some of us have way too much masculine energy and some of us don't have enough. So then we can start to notice when it starts to come back into our lives, how much of that we need to bring back in and how much we can kind of set to the side and stick with the feminine energy of the winter solstice. It sounds like really just finding that balance of honoring that, well, that shadow, the feminine, the darkness, and allowing that when the masculine energy of the sun, the light starts to come in that we begin to just really embrace that light as it and honor honor that balance as it's time and to listen to your body when that is shifting for you as well. Yeah, I mean the solstice, both of the solstices are such a place for surrender because they are counteracted by equinoxes in which we have equal feminine, masculine energy, equal nights and days. So these are really times to completely surrender to fully one energy, because a lot of times we do talk about that balance and how important balance is in our lives. And then this is kind of a cool holiday, really, to let ourselves be out of balance. We are, we're fully in darkness and just letting ourselves completely be there knowing there's another holiday on the other side that will be completely in light. And then there's two holidays on either end that will find balance. So it's a really neat experiment for people. If you're able and willing to go there to just see what that feels like to fully give yourself over, because in a way, the winter solstice is really representative of a death. A lot of cultures think of it as a death of the sun and then a rebirth of the sun. So if we can think of it that way, fully giving ourselves over to whatever's ready to leave so that we can actually rebirth. Mm -hmm. And if we only go partway there, we'll only be able to come partway back. It's really beautiful. And, you know, I think the death of the sun, but then also part of the shadow. And so like when we're you know doing that healing work, it's sometimes it's thinking about no, part of us might need to die to be reborn um, into an, an, some new energies that we're ready to create. So like maybe part of that, like that ego death, we can let that go and to be reborn in, in new energies and new ways. But like you said, it made 
not feel like anything's happening at the time until we recognize we're coming out of that shadow and being reborn into a new part of us that's ready to emerge. Yeah. Beautiful. So tell us a little bit more too, maybe like how significant the sun is to our world and how can we align ourselves to its cycles and experience oneness with the earth? Yeah, I think a couple of different ways. So again, going back to the sun as being our directive force and something that's so important in our energetic lives, not to mention that just the way that biologically the earth is set up right now, it's also keeping every single one of us alive. Uh, so much so that if it changed by a couple of degrees, it could change everything on the earth. So when we think of it that way and go back to times that were really living under the sun and the moon, they understood how important that was. And like we were saying in the beginning, it can be really easy to now disconnect from that. But really, if we think of it in those really simple terms, we are in no different of a position than we were then. If the sun changes by a couple of degrees, if our earth tilts a couple of different degrees, everything on the earth would be different. Our technology wouldn't matter anymore. <laughs> so really, really significant, just in a really simple scientific way. Um, and then also just in our energetics, it's really the balancing point. So we do have equal parts in ourselves of masculine, feminine, of moon, of sun. So I think a lot of those traditions that are kind of going back are recognizing how important the sun is to our earth to bring us growth and to bring us food and to allow us just to survive. So it was a really beautiful thing. I think that we used to sit in communities and pray for the sun. You know, part of that being really honoring the sun and part of it just being a hope it comes back. So I think those are just some really beautiful times to honor that because it's something we can really take for granted now. And it's really easy to forget how important that is still for food to grow on our earth, for us to be warm enough to survive as humankind on this planet. So it, it has both this really, really beautiful, just biologic and scientific way of keeping us alive on the planet. Um, and then also this really beautiful energetic of giving us energy and giving us some directive force to bring things out into the world. That's so a really powerful force and I think deserves to be celebrated in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. And so how can we truly align with it so we can experience that oneness with the earth, sun, moon? How do we truly connect to it? Yeah. So I think everyone's practices are going to look a little bit different and practices might shift throughout people's lives as well. One way that I really like to honor them is by celebrating the eight earth holidays. And so we talked about the solstices and the equinoxes. And then there's also holidays halfway in between those. So if you look up the wheel of eight, those holidays will come up. And so those are some really beautiful times to pause during the year and just to notice, because when you go through the full wheel of eight, you've got that completion and that wholeness within yourselves and also noticing that wholeness within the earth. So we'll go through a whole year cycle of the earth. And each of those have the times of sun and moon being equal, of moon being the highest of sun, being the highest and everywhere in between. So that can start to really allow us to align to those cycles and notice those cycles within ourselves. So I think that helps as an overall picture as well. It can be a little hard when we pick out like one holiday and start to notice one solstice or one equinox, and it can be a great place to start. But I think when it really makes sense is when you start to celebrate starting with those four, so equinoxes and solstices, and then adding in all eight of those holidays as a way that you want to celebrate with either yourself or people around you, or even just take a day to recognize that that's what's happening. And we're halfway through a solstice and equinox or wherever you are, 
so that you can start to feel that fullness and wholeness of all of those different energies that we shift as a culture, as a society, as nature, and as humans. So you mentioned the equinoxes and the solstices. What are the other four holidays to celebrate? Yeah, so they're the halfway points in between. So depending on what culture you're looking in, there's a couple different names for each of them. But yeah, it'll be the halfway points in between each equinox and solstice. So it happens about every, let's see, two-ish months that there's some kind of Earth holiday that we can celebrate. Okay. Is there a particular name for them or is there, is that just part of the Wheel of Eight that you mentioned? They all have different names. Okay. And so as we're working with these energies of the Earth holidays, what are some ways we can truly tap into those energies, um, set intentions, and really create the intentions that we, we are setting out for? Yeah, so each of them has a little bit of a different energy to them, but it also depends on what you need during that time. So since we're talking about the winter solstice, it can be a really good time to, like we said, let there be a death of the things that need to be released in our lives. And find ways to really honor that silence and rest and dreaming. So some of the ways that we talked about before, just allowing yourself to be out in nature, even if it's cold, to spend some time by candlelight, to do some practices like yoga or meditation that are more quiet and restorative. Mm -hmm. And then we can start to tune into that energy in a little, in a little more of an aligned way when we really start to honor if the earth is going into some darkness or stillness or Northern hemisphere, um, then how can we honor that in our own bodies? So how can we find some darkness and stillness within ourselves? Some people like to spend some time journaling as well and letting some of those maybe darker things come out. They're not always things that we can share with other people or even that need to be shared. Sometimes just allowing them a voice through speaking or singing or journaling can start to allow some of those ideas to start to come to the surface just so that we're not suppressing it like we talked about that's so easy to do. So allowing that some kind of space in whatever way feels good in your body to allow that to kind of come to the surface of it during this time. And another practice, I think during the winter solstice is making a bucket list of things that you'd like to do in the winter. Like we said, it can be really easy to feel like we're not being productive and then that can feel really difficult. So filling a list of things that you'd like to do that also feel nourishing and that can also feel fun. So that could be in part some of the, of the things we've already talked about, like decorating or spending some time outside, or if there's specific activities that you'd like to do with friends or family or specific crafts. I find that that also helps to counter some of that energy of like, oh, I need to do something right now, but I'm not sure what to do. What can I do to actually honor this time instead of leaping out like I was to do any other, any other time of the year? So I find those can all help really align us during that time so we can start to tune a little bit deeper into that energy as well. Those are some really uh, good tips that you provided. And you said going within, reflecting, you know, just kind of taking a breath and being quiet and still. Now, I know, at least for the Western part of the world, that during the holiday season, there's no stillness or quiet. You know, it, people are traveling and they're running to the grocery store to get their, their food for, you know, whatever. And it's just busy, 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 busy. And I love to go out in nature during the winter because it is the most quiet. You know, not only is there literally nobody out when you're on a hike, but you can hear everything. And it's interesting too, for me, because it seems like when the snow falls, the sounds become more clear, if that makes sense. But my question is, so for, for those of us who always travel during the holidays or just really have no time to breathe, at least we think we have no time to breathe, where can we find, if we are able to find little bits and pieces here and there where we can actually breathe and reflect or something, what would be a good quick thing to do to kind of get you back into what the, the solstice and what this time of the year is meant to be? Absolutely. 
So I think any time of your day that you can turn into a ritual can be a time that you can pause. So some of those that I like to tell some of my clients about are whatever's fitting into your daily routine. So if you like to make coffee or tea in the morning, just allowing yourself a little bit more time to like watch water pour over tea. Now that could be 30 seconds, but if we're doing it while answering our emails and talking to our kids, we lose that magic of the moment where if we have 30 seconds to just watch some hot water pour over tea and take in the smells, that can already start to tune us into that energy of slowing down, making a warm cup of tea. Even if we can't sit by the fire with it all day long, maybe we can take it to work with us and just remind us throughout the day. So I think any little thing that you can do to start to create a little bit more of a ritual and to have extreme presence around. So if you're making dinner as well, can you make 10 minutes of that dinner to actually stir the pot of food? So having meals with a family is a, a big part of this time of year. So can we invite an extra friend over? Can we just sprinkle in these little pieces of day to have an extreme presence around so that we can start to feel a little bit of those rituals? Can you light a candle before bed? And actually take a moment to look at the flame, to notice if there's smells, to notice the flicker of light. Little pieces like that could take five to 30 seconds of your day. But if we bring presence into it, it's still bringing back that energy of sinking into ourselves. I really like that. Just really being present and just being conscious of slowing down. And, you know, even if it is just that 30 seconds of pouring water over tea, you know, and just taking in the, the aromas, the smells of the tea, it can really help be grounding. Yeah, I think it's another beautiful time of year. I'm a lot of my practices are all about being counterculture. And I encourage people during this time to notice how they can change their own traditions to align more with what they want this season to feel like. So that can also be in the way if you choose to give gifts, what type of things are you giving? Are you allowing there to be time to rest with that gift and to really give that and feel what that's like to give or feel what that's like to receive? Or are we buying everything we can off the shelf and putting ourselves in debt so that we can just go along with the holiday season. So there are ways of giving some really heartfelt gifts that can allow us already to slow down, maybe while we're making the gift or gathering the gift or getting gifts from friends to give to other friends. Like how can we already start to bring those traditions into what our Western culture looks like? Because it's all coming from this beautiful place of giving, receiving, spending time with people. But can we make some of those gatherings a little bit more intentional, maybe a little bit quieter? Maybe there's a little bit more of a ritual aspect to it. If your friends and family are up for adding or maybe taking away a couple things during that season. So it's also a time to just play with what's already there. You don't have to scrap everything you're doing. Just like Sam was saying, sometimes we are just in that rush and we still have to work and still have to see family and still want to buy and give gifts? And how can we just start to change little bits of those traditions so that maybe this year or maybe five years or maybe 10 years down the line, your holiday season can start to align a lot more with these earth holidays. I really like what you said too, just about changing maybe some of the ways that we've done things. And, you know, I think it's important to question why we do what we do you know is it how we've been raised and it, does that still serve us anymore traditionally it has been consumerism and going out and buying everything you can for everyone on your list and you know and, and going into debt and you know giving them the things that are material items that may or may not have any value you know in the future or in the you know in the present but really thinking and being intentional about giving gifts from the heart. And I think sometimes, many times, oftentimes is, those are much more appreciated and remembered. But questioning too, 
why we do what we do. Is it because we've been told this is the way it is, or we've been all taught this is what we need to do? And is it this holiday resonating with you anymore, you know, or the traditions of the holiday and, and where do the roots of the holiday come from? And <laughs> I think it's really important just to, to question everything and come at it in a very conscious, intentional way. Yeah, I think there's a lot of middle ground to be found as well, which can be a really beautiful way to think of it. Because I think once we start learning about these earth holidays, it's really tempting to say, I don't celebrate this anymore. Like, I don't want anything to do with this. And it can be really tempting to say, like, I just want to align with the earth. Why wouldn't we? But a lot of our friends and family still love those holidays and still cherish them. And maybe we do too. And it does help, I think, and I encourage everyone to go way back into the roots of holidays and to look into why a lot of these things were created. Because a lot of them do have roots in natural processes. So they're already there. And maybe we've just taken it one or two steps too far, but it doesn't mean we have to scrap all of these years and decades and really hundreds of thousands of years of uh, celebrations that have happened. So what pieces do we love of it? What pieces do we want to take with us? And what pieces do maybe just need a little bit of tweaking so that we can come back into alignment from maybe just going a little bit too far on some direction that we haven't wanted to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I like, you know, that you said that too, because it doesn't have to be this either or all or nothing thing. We can really embrace the parts that make sense to us and that we still enjoy. And so I think that's really important. So I'm wondering um, if now would be a good time, if you could lead us through a winter solstice ritual experience for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So this ritual I'll kind of go through in a little bit quicker than I usually do. Um, so it starts with four journaling prompt questions and then has a little practice. So if you're listening now and you want to come along with us now, you can do that. And I'll just have you pause after each question to give yourself a little bit of time to journal. Or if you are not in a place where you can do this right now, you can listen back on it later. So the first thing would be to get out something that you can write with and write on. And I'll go through four questions that are a reflection of your past year. So when we celebrate Earth holidays, we think of the past year being since the past winter solstice. So since your past December 21st-ish. The first question is, what did you create? You could pause or spend a little bit of time journaling, or some of these might come out in colors or images or drawings as well. What did you create this past year? The second question is, who did you impact? Thinking of all of the people in our lives, it might be a couple degrees separated. And taking a little bit of time to reflect on who you impacted. And I encourage you to really think of the people beyond the people that you think you may have impacted. Because a lot of our stories and even our energies get shared through people when they see other people, when they show up for other people. The third question is what fell short this year? So whether or not you like to set intentions at any part during the year, or if you had expectations, it was a whirlwind of a year for a lot of us. And so this is a really great time to just let yourself acknowledge what fell short. Maybe it was pieces of you or other people or projects that you thought would happen or dreams that you thought would come to fruition this year, and they just didn't quite yet. So acknowledging what fell short. And then the last question is, what did you learn? So it might be from those shortcomings. It might be some tidbits of information. I also like to add in here any mantras or any quotes that have helped you get through the year. 
or some people like to set some theme words for the year. So anything like that can go in this section of what did you learn? So those are the four journaling prompts. So if you're listening along, feel free to pause or go back to any of those and spend at least a couple minutes just reflecting on the year. This is also really beautiful to do with someone else or a group of people. So if you'd like to take some time to journal on those four questions for yourself, and if someone else would like to do them as well, and then you can share back and forth. A really great way to reflect on the year. And then the ritual aspect of this actually comes from a book called The Awakened Woman. And it's a ritual where you bury your dream. So the invitation is to take a piece of paper and to write out your dream, a dream that you'd like to set now, as clearly as you can. And it's up to you how far in the future this dream is. During the winter solstice, since it's a great time for setting some really deep seeds, I like to invite people to make some goals and some dreams that are pretty far out. So sometimes when we work a little bit smaller in the year with things like moon cycles, we set intentions for the next moon cycle or the next month. But for this one, thinking of three to five years in the future, a dream that you have. And so writing that on this piece of paper and then creating some sort of bundle. So it could be turning it into a ball or making a little roll with it. You could decide if you have any herbs around your home to put that in this little bundle as well, using a little bit of string. And then going outside and digging a hole somewhere where, where you'll remember where it is. So it could be a tree in your yard or a rock or at a park that you like. And then burying this in the ground. And you could choose to add some little sprinkles of, again, some herbs, or if you have a stone or a shell or something else that's significant that you want to leave there with it covering this. And then the idea is to go back to this place and to visit it often. So it may be completely covered with snow, <laughs> maybe for a while, and it may disintegrate into the ground. But the idea is to go back to this place and to remind yourself of what that dream was. You may even find ways to nourish it, such as pouring some water or wine or tea over this spot, or placing flowers or shells next to it, and then seeing what happens over the next couple of years, visiting it at least during those four main Earth holidays, maybe celebrating all eight, maybe every full or new moon, or finding a ritual of a time you'd like to go back. That's beautiful. I love that. Uh, sounds like a really powerful process to really intentionally reflect on the the past year, and then then you're planting your your dream. You're allowing it to be planted to sprout and to intentionally connect it with the earth. And so it sounds like a really beautiful intentional process. So thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, you're welcome. I think. The biggest part that I loved about that ritual is really the area of surrender mm -hmm. and putting it somewhere in nature also helps us to realize that our dreams are not ours alone and that we generally don't make things happen completely on our own. Mm -hmm. There are typically other people involved. There are other resources involved in making our dreams happen. So in a way, it's kind of a prayer and a wish of like, hey, Earth, will you help me make this come true? I know that I can't do it on my own and that I'll need energy from the moon and the sun and people and resources to make this happen. So starting with the winter solstice is a great way to plant that and then to also surrender a bit around it. To know you're going to put your heart and soul into it, but that there are a lot of other things at play that you'd like to call in to help bring that to life. 
Absolutely. I love that, you know, just recognizing that we're not alone and we can connect to the earth's energies, the moon, and really feel that connection even deeper. And I think that's really powerful. So thank you, Mia. Tell our listeners how they can find you and what you're currently working on. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that those practices help. And I'd love to hear for anyone who gets to practice them, how they feel to you. So you can find everything that I'm up to on my website. It's my business, Move, Create, Radiate. And so movecreateradiate.com is where you can find my offerings and how to work with me one-on-one and my upcoming trainings. And my Instagram handle is the same, Move, Create, Radiate. And I like to put up some practices and helpful graphics and some offerings on there as well. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much again, Mia, for being here with us today and sharing the space to have this beautiful conscious conversation. And thank you for listening to our show. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would absolutely love a five-star written review on iTunes. And of course, please share the love by sharing it with your friends. And if you want to support the work that we're doing, please consider making a donation to our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And until next time, love yourself, love each other and love the world. We love you. Love you guys. Take care and we'll talk to you later. We at Be The Love Podcast are honored to be supporting the Komodi Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization in Uganda that is working to build a school that will promote and support healthcare, education, skills development, feeding the hungry, human rights, and environmental defenders. Their goal is to work with young mothers and single mothers, street children, and vulnerable families who lack nurture as they guide them to become productive individuals, which will lead to a productive generation. Please see our show notes on how to become a donor, mentor, volunteer, or sponsor. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Chrissy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphics. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey. And thank you for hopping on the Ascension bus with us. And remember, there is always a seat for you.